Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is the Flyers' aggressive retool about to be in shambles before it even begins? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 113 of Orange and Back Check. Once again, so glad you are with us at OBackCheck on Twitter, at Orange and Back Check Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that good stuff. Uh, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you want to join in the conversation throughout this upcoming merciful offseason, hopefully. But a guy across from me as always, Scott Weinhardt. What's going on, brother? Uh, I'm waiting to get across the finish line this yeah. week. Yeah, it, it, honestly, you know, last season you and I actually talked about it in one of our shows, like right before it. They, I mean, I just can't wait for the season to end. I just want to move on to the next thing. And it's like yeah. you've got four games left. And yeah, it sucks. There's only four games of Flyers hockey left, but it's such a relief because now you can get into the, you know, retooling of the franchise. So that, that, that that's where I'm at at this point. I want to see what happens over the summer. I just want to move past this and. And move forward because it's while it's been nice to see some of the younger guys play and, and do some nice things, it's just time for us to to, to move forward here and, and see exactly what we can do. Yeah, and and it's certainly going to be an eventful summer for sure. Uh, Chuck Fletcher has his work cut out for him. Uh, Dave Scott has his work cut out for him. Valerie Camilla has has her work out for cut cut workout cut for it i'm sure she has a workout somewhere in there too. yeah <laughs> she has her work cut out for her. it's just everyone has to be on the same page right uh basically that is the most important thing when it comes to these aggressive retools as as it's being described uh because they don't want to tear this thing down but it, it, when you and we'll get into the details of it later it feels like we're on the cusp of a realization mm-hmm. that they might need to tear it down they're going to give it one or two more shots and then put fans through this uh not false hope but uh mirage of hope i guess because it this season we entered in with very high expectations we both called for an eastern conference finals appearance uh obviously the detriment of the injuries uh to ryan ellis to sean couturier uh it's just it it was one bang 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 and all of a sudden we're talking about holy crap, are they going to be in the running for Shane Wright? Because now we're talking right. about a club that's only, I think they're in the third slot in the best overall odds to get to get the draft, uh, top tra- draft pick. Um, but the big story this week, unfortunately, is again a negative thing. Yep. Uh, Anthony DeMarco of the fourthperiod.com had this not scathing report, I would describe it, but a pretty egregious report, uh, egregious in the sense of how it looks for the Flyers. Um, concerning Ryan Ellis, defenseman Ryan Ellis, who was the creme de la creme of the offseason acquisitions in terms of what Chuck Fletcher was looking for uh, to revamp the blue line. Uh, obviously, he's only played four games. He's been very productive in those four games. You saw what he did or can do for a, a, a team like the Flyers in that short span. Um, but now the controversy has come about of they aren't sure what the injury is, which is pretty egregious that is egregious in in on the flyers organization uh it sounds like ryan ellis is not happy with the organization and might not even want to play here and wants to find a way out whether it's retiring like matt niskanen did now not conflating that matt niskanen is retiring retiring back after the 2020 season because of being pissed off with the organization i don't recall that ever being a thing 
Um, but I, I mean, if you lose Ryan Ellis, let's just play under that scope for a moment. Like okay. if the Flyers lose Ryan Ellis in any capacity, whether it's a trade where you're going to probably lose a buttload, a buttload of, of, of assets because of you trying to unload that contract to an unhealthy guy is not the most easiest thing in the world or a guy that just retires. Right. Uh, like what happens to the mindset of the Chuck Fletcher and the Dave Scott and the Valerie Camilla and, and the like, if they don't have their star defenseman, I guess you could call them uh, for the 2022, 2023 season. It comes down to this. Yeah. It adds another thing to the retool. It adds another. That's where it starts at. You know, I, I look at this whole situation and I can understand where the article came from. And I'm not sitting here ripping somebody's work. Don't don't take this as the, you know, that, uh, you know, him criticizing the guy. We, Anthony DeMarco, he's got sources that are saying that obviously there's got to be something. Think of it from a perspective of this guy just missed a whole season, a whole full season after a lockout, I'm sorry, after a COVID shortened season. Um, he missed a whole season of hockey and they can't quite pinpoint what the injury is. Yeah, I'd be frustrated as well. I mean, think about it this way. The guy missed a full year of hockey. Yes, he played in four games. That's a long time. I mean, think about it. He hasn't been on, you know, hasn't been in an NHL game since what was it? It was December, the, the, the November, December. It was, it was later in the season yeah. um, in the, in the uh, calendar year. So I think it was against Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. So the Dallas game, Dallas that's the last time that they that he played a hockey game in the nhl think about these age 231 he doesn't get that time back like that's a problem for him specifically and the fact that they if they are you know i've heard hip um you know hip hip flexor core abdominal all this stuff is listed on the report and they can't quite find out what's going on you know now we don't understand why it would be well surgery we're not going the surgery route because we don't want to look at it as let's oh, start cutting the guy open and find, oh, there's the problem. And yet again, now you got to, you know, rehab for longer months because you have a giant scar on your body. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it's more or less that um, they have not been able to fully pinpoint and, and load, isolate this specific injury of what it is. Um, but it's, it's problematic. And of course, as a professional hockey player, you're going to be upset with it. And, and let's be, let's be honest here. Just let's take a look at one thing here. You know, you got to wonder if this is uh, involved with any of the discord that we've heard about in the past week. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, you, you have to wonder that, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, this is another thing to throw in there. Why the organization is in shambles for the most part right now, according to the average fan, if you, if you ask them, but now this just makes it worse. Like, man, like this is really, they've, they've gone into Cleveland Browns territory. And if anybody's yeah. a sports fan, you know what I'm talking about with that. Yeah. And, and, and I think what you're saying, it, it sounds not a distraction from what is happening with Jim and Sal of the training staff, but Correct. to, to, to correlate these two pieces that were done by uh, Anthony Sanfilippo of crossing broad and uh, um, DeMarco of, of the fourth period, like both don't look good for the medical staff. I Correct. mean, while the medical exactly. staff obviously has nothing to do with, with the cancer diagnosis and the blood uh, diseases that Jim and Sal had to go through are going through, but <clears throat> To look at to see this come out now, I I do agree it is obviously ill timed, uh, just like everything has been. Honestly, like, do I think that Ryan Ellis will be on the team next year? Yeah, I do. I I I, I at the end of this, I do think he is at the uh in the orange and black next year. The question really is. Have they waited? You, your point about surgery, like, yeah, but. Uh, at some point, they got to do. I, I imagine what has also been discussed is exploratory surgery. You go in there, you look at the hip area, the core area, the groin area, and see if you can identify exactly what's wrong. But at the same time, Ryan Ellis is a human. Like he he can speak and talk and and communicate with the the medical staff just as well as anybody else on this team. Right. If he's saying, "Hey, my hip hurts. Hey, my groin hurts." That's that's the starting point. Like in my like 
in 2022, I have a hard time buying that you can't identify an injury uh, in the medical field at this point. Now, there's obviously exceptions. There's obviously things. But when we're talking about sports specifically, it's pretty it, – you can narrow it down to, like, the specific thing that's, that, that is bothering an athlete – pretty quickly in today's medical science. I like, I think we can agree with that. So when, when Ryan Ellis, which again, maybe it goes to the fact that he's not being cooperative in the same piece uh, on the fourth period, he's talking about how the, he hasn't been seen in weeks with the rot with the team. Like he hasn't yeah. been at team meetings. He hasn't been at practices. And part of me says, well, why would he need to be at practice? Cause he's not practicing like, okay, it's Ryan Ellis. Who cares? Right. But we have seen him at games. You and I have both seen him walking around at the press row with with the with other injured players because they're obviously up in the press box watching the team. So I've the last time I was at a game, I saw him. Yeah, so it's it, like unless I haven't seen him the last couple times I've been there. I've seen him at you have Jerusalem thousandth game, but that was it. Okay, so let so that that matches up with about three weeks or four weeks now of him not right. being with the, with the team. So now there's obviously several factors I imagine that can go into the why a player's not showing up to team meetings, team games, whatever it may be. Yeah. One, the, the season is, is completely lost. Like there's, they're, they're tanking completely. Dang. There's no point in having your, because the whole point of having a player, in my opinion, the whole point of having your players still up in the press row, watching from the stands at that viewpoint is to, to watch the game and understand what your team is doing when you return. Right. The whole point was to hopefully see Ryan Ellis come back this year up until about the trade deadline. Like you heard Fletcher speak around that time, say like, yeah, we're shutting down uh, Ellis. We're shutting down Couturier. We're shutting down these guys. Now there's a multitude of other players that are being shut down because there's four games left. But once you reach that point, I, I don't expect I, in, I wouldn't expect a player to devote their time to come down to the arena to watch a game that has Noah Cates in, in the roster that shouldn't that, that, that doesn't that arguably isn't ready to be back in the roster yet. Like it, it's just it, it's I think there is a gray area here that that goes with the DeMarco piece that we have to try and find out because. At the end of it, there's there's no way Chuck Fletcher is considered trading this guy in my like I just I can't see it happening. He has too long of a tenure left on his contract. His contract is too bloated, and it's going to be impossible to move him because you have to pass a physical. You know, I I, I look at this and we haven't seen Ryan Ellis in the press box in the past couple of weeks, but I also say that the season's lost at this point. There's only a couple of games left. Why would he need to come out of his way? Now, Sean Couturier has been there, but he's also skating. Scott Lawton was there when he was injured, but he was coming. He's coming. Uh, he's come back. Obviously. If a guy's not coming back to the team and he's out for the season, you know, and he's not skating, what's the point of him having to come to the game and stuff like that? What's, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, does it add does it add into it? Absolutely, it does. It gives it a little bit of more validity since we've seen it with our own eyes. But I look at this overall and say I think some situations get read into a little bit too much, and I just feel like that this is one of them. I'm not discounting whatever's being reported about what sources are saying and stuff. I, I'm not doing that. I just think that these are natural questions that you ask when someone is not around and not visible. You know, like if the question of does he even want to be here, that's a that's a that's a normal question. It's asked in circles when people are dis dissatisfied with something going on in their line of work. Like, you know, like sometimes you ask, does this person even want to be here? Well, yes, they do. It's just they're frustrated with this situation. Okay, let's have a conversation about it. It's taken care of. Boom, taken care of and done. Nine times out of ten, it resolves the issue. I think with him and his situation, he's frustrated at the fact that he's played four games. He's missed a full season at 31, knowing he's not getting any younger. And the fact that he knows looking at this saying, oh, my God, what kind of situation am I in? I could have helped this team out a little bit and seen how disastrous it went and how in shambles the franchise is. Yeah, I mean, there, I'm sure people will question that, of course. But notice that it's more or less, yes, yeah, so does he even want to be here? 
Okay. Well, the team needs to do a lot of work on their end too. So if he doesn't want to be a part of what's going on now, yeah, I understand that, but they're also going to do an aggressive retool over the summer. So they'll have to wait and see what happens from there. And I don't know. I'm sure things will work out just fine. I just think it's overblown. Maybe, but like at the same time, if, if Ryan Ellis does not want to be here, and, and I know you said that it's another part of the retool that you have this offseason. But like how many how many po- how many holes do you have to fill as a roster before you realize this isn't a retool, this is a rebuild. We have to tear this thing down, that you strip it down to the bones, to the to the nuts and the bolts, and you just figure out how can we build this thing back up with Sean Kateri, without Ryan Ellis, with Carter Hart, and and no one else. Like, because at a certain point. You have to realize the holes you have to fill. And look, I know people are comparing the post-lockout flyers after their disastrous season uh, in 06-07 to try and fill that void. Like, at some point, that doesn't work. That That does not work. That aggressive type of rebuild does not work anymore in today's NHL because it's almost impossible with the the lack of player movement and and the like. So... is there at what point do we say no this is a this this team is not two or three years away they're not one or two years away they're five years away because they have to do a total system rebuild and what point do we say that's the real line that the flyers have to take well the flyers have been two or three years away for about 10 years now. exactly so, exactly but, but here here's here's how i look at it here's how i look at it i from 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 being there and seeing this way this team has has evolved over the past few weeks, I think if Brian Ellis didn't come back, I don't think it would be as bad as people think because you still have Sandheim, you still have Rich the line, and you still have Provorov. Given it, I mean, that, that hopefully, plans but again, now. well, hopefully, yeah. If, it, if if, if it, I'm sure if Ellis isn't coming back or something's going on, you're not going to be able to move Provorov at that point. If he is or whatnot, and you're banking on that, then you move it. But the emergence of Cam York. Cam York has been shown that he can play pretty decently. Yep. You have on your third pair, Ronnie Adder, where he's he's got some work. But, I mean, overall, you know, you can see enough there where he can be a, you know, he can be a fifth or sixth defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out what you're doing there as far as you're down for the year now. Are you, is there a depth defenseman on the market that's available that you can go get? I think that when you're talking about this, there's enough there to work with. It's not going to be great, but Cam York, I think, can be something. He's not Ryan Ellis's level, but if you're going to give him an opportunity to develop and grow next season with a coach, a new coach, possibly, because um, I don't want to take away anything from Mike Yo as of yet. I, I really don't. You know, we we say he's likely not going to be back next year as a head coach, but it's very possible he does. Yep. Um, that's a different conversation in its own. But I think there's enough there to where it's 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 not too concerning. I look at it that way. So it's you, it just adds another you know a dimple in the retool saying okay, well we can't go anything. We're gonna have to use Cam York as a two. It's it's it ideal no, but that's what we have to work with. So that's the way. At least it won't be by committee because you're gonna have that wrist aligning and Sandheim pairing together for at least next season. You can have Provorov and York, and then you can have Adder. And fill out your six and your seven that way. That's how I look at it. Do you put it so beyond this season? I mean, this season obviously was a complete disaster. Four games left. You get Pittsburgh on Sunday. We'll be there. Uh, and then you close out in or uh, at, sorry, at home against Ottawa before after going on a two game uh, road swing there. With the with the recent reports, especially obviously you you asked Mike Yo about this with Felix Sandstrom after uh, Carter Hart was unofficially officially shut down for the rest of the season. Now we're seeing a multitude of other players being shut down for this season. Cam Atkinson, Carter Hart, Brown, Ristolainen, Cam York, one of the people that we just talked about, and Connaughton all shut down for the remainder of this season. Part of me, I get it because, we're, again, we just talked about how once you're shut down as a Ryan Ellis, there's no real point in showing up to the team meetings, to the team games and stuff like that. Other, the other part of me is like, but these players really haven't proven anything. Maybe you can argue Cam Atkinson because he's obviously tied for the, the goal, leading the team in goals uh, with, with JVR. 
Carter Hart, obviously we've praised him all season. He was not the problem at all this year, along with Mike, uh, with uh, Jones. Like, am I looking too much into this? Like, like give up, but don't be so obvious about it. We're shutting players down. What's the, what's the reason to play them? Yeah. What's the reason to play them? What's the reason to play them and risk injury or risk a Ryan L situation? Honestly, like, what's the point? Yeah. The, the benefit over these last four games of what you have is really take a look at these young guys and see what you have. Okay. There are some serious questions you have to answer. Like, and it, questions that really are going to affect next season. Because, first of all, let's look at something we talk about all the time at goaltending. What are you doing in goal? Are you bringing back Martin Jones? Are you bringing in another veteran? Or are you going to roll with a guy like Felix? Are you going to sign Felix Sandstrom, even though he's a, he's a UFA at the end of the year, and you know run him as your backup? Is it going to be a financial move? Are you looking for a talent move? Like, what are you doing there? Like, that's a big hole. I don't think people understand how that you you need a guy to bring in 20 games. I thought Felix was a restricted still. He's not. I believe he's unrestricted at the end of the year. Okay. Because he was, real, he, he was drafted the year before or the year after Carter. Um, I think before. I think or what? They might have been actually 25. drafted. I think he's 25. Hang on. Let me Must look have been. here real quick. So They might have even been taken in the same draft. Because remember, they, they did a run on goalies back then they did they did Hang on, i'm looking but anyway like I, I don't disagree with you like you're certainly right about how there's nothing to play for why risk injury and stuff like that i don't know maybe it's just an old school mindset in me like there's no the the best of the best ability is availability in like if, if you're able to play you should be but it's especially in the national hockey league where you have Team still, I mean, the East is locked up, and that's I think that's all they have left uh, with Eastern Conference opponents. But, like, if you're going up against a team that has something to play for, play play the ruiner. But, but I think I get why they wouldn't want it. Yeah, because especially because they, they, they go to Chicago and Winnipeg between tomorrow, uh, uh, between Sunday and, and Friday. But, like, I don't know. I, there is just a weird it's a weird notion because one your fan base has already completely abandoned you at, at in the arena like now if you're going on sunday to this morning if you're listening when we release this and you're going to the game tonight today at four like god bless you like good for you because there's no one to look forward to other than jvr and connect now i mean martin jones has been cool to watch but like he's not the star he's not the he's not the future of the goalie position that's that's Carter Hart. You're right. I mean, look, I Sandstrom is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Group six okay. UFN. So um, because he's 25, he'll be 26. So Got it. um look, I mean I I I'm I'm in the boat of re-sign Martin Jones if you have the flexibility and money to do it. Because and if Jones he wants is, to, because he obviously wants to be a starter somewhere. Right, but there's a lot of competition out there, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh what's it called spots that are gonna be available. I mean, yep. so um I, I don't know if, you know, that's, I mean, he could possibly even, you know, uh, there's a lot of speculation there, but I, with Jones, it, it's important. I still believe it's important to have an experienced net minder behind um, Carter Hart. From what I've seen with Felix Antrim so far, I've liked what I've seen. I really like his anticipation, I, you know, at the Rangers game where on that power play where they had that five on three for almost two minutes, his anticipation knowing where the shot was coming was excellent. There was one point where the puck carrier was at the point. Now, the, the golden rule of goaltending is that you, if you want a quick look and, and, and anticipate where a player is so you can anticipate where to move to, that's one part of it. A guy had a puck at the point. I forget who it was. But I just remember him. I, lo- I was really watching Sanchez and his movements during that play. And he literally looked at the guy who was off the circle the whole time before the pass was even made. He literally was just looking at him like, I know they're going there. And he got there and he made a huge shave off of it. That tells that's really good anticipation there. His movements are very crisp. I do get a little concerned about the location of where he's been beat. A lot of them have been short side, which has me a little bit concerned because short side that those are tough goals to give up. But I think a lot of them have been out of his control, considering that they've had dangerous changes in front of them. Does that sample size give me confidence that he can be a 25, 30 game backup in the NHL? Uh, not not yet. Now I haven't seen enough. 
But also at the same time, when you're talking about a retool, if Carter goes down with an injury or anything along those lines, you need someone to step in and play that role. Martin Jones has proven he can do that. Felix is not. And I don't know if the organization is ready to reassign a guy for that. But if there are money problems or flexibility that they need, that might be the role they look at. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind. I think I'd like to see them go younger, especially in any way possible, possible form, especially because I get the logic like Carter Hart's still obviously very young. Uh, he's on his he'll be entering the second year of his bridge deal uh, that. Well, I guess it would be the first I, either way. He, he's in entering or in the second year of his bridge deal, the three year deal he signed uh, in the offseason last year. Like. If we are to expect what we expect from Carter Hart, at some point you got to take the training wheel, not the figure, figuratively speaking, the training wheels off of him. You have to be confident in what he can do and say, you're good enough where we don't need to have the veteran backup behind you because you are the veteran. At some point you have to label Carter Hart, you're the experienced veteran. We know what we can get from you because other than last year, he's been one of the better goalies and better players for the Flyers have seen in recent in in the past decade. Uh, so you want to give the guys like Felix Sandstrom a shot because again, if you sign him now, because again, because Felix Sandstrom is going to be a cheap deal. I think right around maybe a little bit cheaper than than Martin Jones. So you got to ask yourself who is uh, who is more valuable in your in your in your franchise right now. So if you get Felix Antrim a couple of backups, 25 games, whatever it may be, and you can get to see how good he really is, that's potential trade piece down the line. That's something you can use as an asset to improve the stuff in front of you, in front of your uh, goalies uh, uh, to really help this team. Because again, goalie was the best point of this, this franchise this year. For all the leaders for the last 37 years, 39 years, 40 years, whatever it's been, where we complained about what is our goalie this year, we finally have that guy, I think. like I, That's truly what I believe in Carter Hart after just one bad year where we said, let's take a step back, let's figure, let him reassess himself, and he did that. So why are we going to, like, at some point we have to say to ourselves, we can go ride this out with Carter Hart without the veteran behind him because he is the veteran. Because it's not about having a guy playing 65 games if you could 20 years ago. I think the bigger problem is people are missing out of that is just the importance in general of a backup goaltender and being able to share those starts. I mean, listen, he played 45 games this year, Carter Hart, and yeah. that was the most he's played in his career so far. That number alone is a little bit concerning because even in 1920, yes, the season was shut down. He played in 43 games at the time before it was shut down. But a full 82-game slate, he played in 45 games. He was injured at one point, so he would have been well, also. Schedule. I would also factor in the bubble games and, and the playoff series games for the, for Carter because he started most of those. Right, 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 right. right. I understand that. And mm -hmm. what I'm, I'm stating is that he had played 45 games total in a, in a, in a one regular season, in one normal hockey season, okay, yeah, 45 okay. games total. Yeah. That's still – 37 games that he did not play it. Okay. Yeah. He's been injured for some. Okay. So, you know, he started 44 of the 45 games that he did, you know, that he played him. My, my concern is this, is that that number still low. Okay. He would probably yeah. get around 55 where that is. That's what he's saying. You still need Martin Jones to pick up 27 starts this year. I don't know if during a younger play or a younger goaltender, because it takes a while to be able to pick up that load of playing because look back, the last time the situation really happened with the Flyers, I would say, like, I'll use Ontario Nidamaki for an example. Remember that? There was one time in the 05-06 season where Robert Esch went down and he had to play, like, 20 games in a row. And it wore him out. And it just he wasn't quite ready. He was a rookie. He wasn't quite ready for that. And, you know, that's when they really started to trend downwards. He had a lot of starts in 06-07 and didn't play up the par. Goaltending is an important fact because it's, you know, you need a, you need a guy to be able to get those types of starts and be able to do that. Uh, they've been running with Martin Jones and he's had their, he's had their last four victories. So 
you know, I, I think if you're looking at a guy who can play 30 games in the National Hockey League at, at that level, I, I think that's where you have to look at the better part. No disrespect to see Felix Sandstrom. I think Felix can actually play this game, and he looked really good when I saw him. But if you're retooling and you're in a playoff push, you need a guy who's got that experience, and it just more or less is that, you know, yes, you learn it, but you, you can you count on with Carter's injury history can you count on a guy like Felix Sandstrom? I'm not sure. Again, I'm in favor of getting younger. I just think that the backup goaltender is, is very underrated position. Yep. And I think with a guy like Martin Jones or another veteran who's previously had a lot of starts in the NHL, who knows and has the experience and can keep a team calm is some is completely undervalued in this league. Yeah. I, 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 and I think you've been banging that drum since we started this podcast, because it, it is very important, especially because we, we reached the point with Carter Hart, entering the league in December of uh, 2018 and mm-hmm. he he started the world on fire. I mean, you saw what he was doing in the AHL and the and juniors very quickly and it was very impressive to see. Yeah. And yeah, it's certainly not out of the out of the mindset of my, me to say he still needs experience, but I think he's built up enough experience to tell to trust a guy like Felix Antrim to be the backup. That's how I view it. I don't think I wouldn't complain if it's a Martin Jones again, or another uh, free agent uh, veteran uh, goalie that can come in here on a cheap deal. Because again, as much as it is an underrated position, I still think because of how good Carter Hart is, it shouldn't be the top three top five no no no. and and that's going to be a concern because it's going to be a money thing i mean yeah martin jones is going to want to pay take a pay cut i mean listen yes he's the back of goaltender but he played almost 30 games this year i mean actually he's already a play he started 33 games this year i mean honestly if if we're to make a prediction is martin jones on the roster next year like i think he's starting somewhere else i I know i don't think he's i don't think there's enough jobs in the nhl for him to get a starting job somewhere because you know, St. Louis is going to keep um, Bennington. Uh, Jordan Bennington. And then the, really, Huso is going to be a guy who's going to come in and want to start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it could be some questions on the island there, but they have Ilya Sorokin. Uh, Washington, always a question marking goal at this point. But, you know, they have two guys that they... Unexpectedly, like, too. Yeah. Washington was supposed to be solidified, but, I mean... Yeah, one guy hasn't really... They're in more of a tandem. What You really need a tandem, though. That's the thing. But you need one guy to be the dominant one. And... You know, fly the Flyers have that here in Carter Hart, but around the league, unless you have an Andre Vasilevsky, which they yep. don't, which you know, or Sergei Bobrovsky, which they don't, um, you know, specifically where a guy who can just play almost every single game if you need him to, that's that's where they did because even the Bolts they resigned Brian Elliott because you you know that to another contract to an extension, so he's there for another year. Yep, I I, I just look at this team and, and and say that that's a really key thing because of with Carter Hart's injury history, it, Martin Jones need to come in and play. 33 games on a $2 million salary. So that's going to be a big role for someone to pick up. Okay. When they look at the backup role, they can't look at it as, Oh, Carter Hart's going to get the bulk of the starts. They got to say, no, we need a guy to play 30 games if he gets hurt. So that's what you're looking at. Um, it's just a side note too, uh, you know, to, to not hard, not bang, keep banging that drum. I think over the last four games though, that people really want to take a look at is, is how well, some of the younger guys like look like I'll be honest. It's been very fun to watch Bobby break. He's got four points in six games. Hasn't yeah. Scored, yeah. It hasn't scored yet, but he, he's got four points, six games. And I really like what Noah Cates has brought to the team. He's got six I, points in 12 games, three goals, three assists. And even the other night against Montreal. Yes. It's against Montreal. So let's, let's, let's. Yeah. Another, it. another team that's in the, in the, in the basement. Right. But I mean, I was very impressed of the play that him, that uh, that that uh, Noah Cates, Morgan Frost on his goal, and and Owen Tipper on that same line. I like the creativity that's coming out of that. There's a lot of speed with that. Um, I I'm really for the last four games, really looking at those guys. Say, okay, which one is going to be an impact player on this roster next year? Because that is key. I mean, I think Noah Cates is going to be a, a pretty decent player, but they don't want to get into a Matt Reed situation where all of a sudden he's scoring goals at a great clip, sign him to a contract, and then he stops producing. That's yep. a little bit of a concern you have with those older college players. Um, but Bobby Brink, I really think that is is a is is, is ready to, to really be an impact player on this team. Here's what I'll say. What has been a really gr- a great spot that Chuck Fledger has done is the 
is the draft. I mean, he, from what we've seen in the, what, what is it? Two drafts now that, that he's had. I mean, these kids are producing at their respective levels, whether it's college or juniors, whatever it may be. I mean, Fletcher and the scouting department seem to have a good eye for identifying talent uh, for this team. Now, look, the problem is it takes a while. I mean, we're talking about Bobby Brinks and Noah Cates making serious impacts or relative impacts on the NHL in this short window of time that we've had with them. But again, we're talking about, I, I would venture to guess that a lot of these good teams that they're playing are playing down to their level. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it skews a little bit. Um, but at some point you got to, again, just like Carter Hart with taking the training wheels off of having a better veteran backup to, to him uh, in my idea or in my opinion, at some point you got to take the training wheels off these, these younger guys that are, that are producing at the AHL and the junior level and mm-hmm. see what they have. And you're seeing that already, yeah. which is nice. So yeah. I, 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 I give Fletcher a lot of credit for seemingly able to identify decent talent in the draft, which is why I think if, if there was a poll question, I can't remember who put it out. I want to say it was one of the Anthony's not Anthony Sanfilippo, one of the Anthony's on Twitter that, that covers the flyers along with us said, if the Flyers get a top three pick, which is looks like they're gonna they're they're venturing to get, do you trade the pick or make the pick? And I could not believe it wasn't a hundred percent take the pick. It was like 92, 93, something like that. But like for for a guy like Fletcher, I you have to make the pick right. because a top three talent that's not named Shane Wright. Yeah, it's not Shane Wright, but you hope that it is a impact NHL player within a year because right. it, 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 like that's that's what you're getting in a top three talent because you saw it with Nolan Patrick you saw it with Nico Heischer uh back then like even even when they didn't live up to the expectations that we had for them uh well at least Nolan Patrick's case like it, it's still something there's still something there that can be developed so if the if the Fletcher and company can identify the talent correctly which seemingly they have seemed to prove in that that fact they there's something there and you have to make the pick and hope that this kid, whoever you take, that's not named Shane, right? If it's not him uh, is a serious impact player within a year, if not sooner, because that will get one, hopefully the fans excited uh, because that's what you're looking for at this point. You have to do something to get the fans excited. uh, And we're in the last week of the season and no one's excited. No one's no one no one is looking forward to this offseason, despite how eventful it's going to be. Well, it's, like you're going to see in July and August, whatever it may be, the big name moves, whether it's unloading JVR's contract, whatever it may be like that won't get you excited, but it will be a serious impact. A fan's excited, but it will get it will have a serious impact on how this this roster is shaped for next year. Right. And the you know what? Reason. And here's the thing, like, look at how well Minnesota's playing now. A lot of that draft, yes, that, a lot, a lot, that that's that's all Chuck Fletcher. That's him and his and his team. And so, it's I think still people fail to realize that, that this isn't the NFL. This is not mm-hmm. the NBA. Yep. These guys do not become good overnight. They don't come in. A lot of guys come in with this great pedigree of just being. I mean. Minnesota's already clinched a playoff spot, 78 games played. They're 50 and 21 and seven. Okay. That's absurd. They have 107 points and they still have four games left to play. That that tells you they're right up there with Colorado. I mean, Colorado's got 116 points. St. Louis is under them with also 107. They've quietly had a good season, even though they've had goaltending problems. Yep. Um look with 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 NHL players, it takes time for them to really develop, learn the speed of the game. You at the Rangers game, I noticed something the huge difference between the Flyers and the Rangers isn't the talent, it's how fast they process the game, how fast they move. You can just see one or two players they're hesitating before they go make a play of which the right play to take, and you're already they're already off to the races. The other team, it's just it's all about that speed. That's where experience comes in. And I always go back to this analogy because look. We can we can sit here and say, oh, it's entertainment. It's it's uh, it, you know these guys are paid millions of dollars to do this. At the end of the day, you're still human beings. Think about it when you start a new job. How long does it take you to start really feeling comfortable? You look back a year later and you're like, oh yeah, I can never remember when I started this job. How awful, how awkward it felt, or weird. 
it takes time. And some people take longer than us. People are like, man, it took me about a year to really understand this. People get in there and get it right away. Everybody's different. And that, that hockey players are no exception. The bigger thing is with younger players is that you have to harp away. You have to harp away. You have to keep pounding the good habits and everything into them. And it takes time for it to become the routine. You know, a lot of these guys too, and I'm not sitting here making excuses. These are just facts. When these younger guys, they're on the road for long stretches of time and period. Mentally, that's wearing down. I mean, think about it from this perspective. There are four games left in a season that's completely lost. How do you think some of these guys feel? You look at them at the press conference. When you go down to the press conference, you just look at them like they're answering, they're being professional. They know they have a job to do. There's, they, there's no lack of effort. That's for sure. They are trying to win games. But you can just see it on their face like they just want it to be over. They just they're, they're ready to move on. Travis Konechny in his, in his press conference last week when I was there against the Rangers, he even said, like, yeah, he was talking about something he needed to work on in the offseason. Like, you know, that's something I'm going to have to address in the offseason and, and keep working at it. It's like they know they're just they're trying to get to that finish line. They're not they're not there's no lack of effort. There's no lack of trying to make sure that, you know, they're they're trying to tank. They want to win, but you could just see it on their face like they're just they're tired, they're burnt out, they're, yeah. they're worn. It's, it's they're experiencing work burnout. They're yeah, experiencing they're, work burnout. Yeah, it's it's wear and tear. They know that the there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It ends in four days, and they just want to go home and do their thing and start fresh for next season. But you know, and, and think about it too. Sometimes that happens to regular people. They are people at the end of the day, and it's important to remember that because sometimes it does take time for the stuff to develop, and you have to be patient because. You know, you go back and it's not the general manager that does these drafts. You're seeing the effects. So all the effects the Flyers are having now are because of Ron Hextall yeah. for the most part. Yep. All the effects, like, for instance, when the Flyers to the Legion of Doom, that wasn't Bobby Clark for the most part. That was Russ Farwell. Russ Farwell brought in Rod Brindamore. He engineered the Eric Lindros trade. You know, uh, Bobby Clark got him over the top by making the John LeClaire and Eric Desjardins trade. You know, look at, look at uh, what's it called? Uh, Paul Holmgren, his first couple of years, that was a lot of that was Bobby Clark. Yeah. And then Paul Holmgren put the icing on top and finished him off. So, I mean, that's what you have to look at. It's not this guy that's drafting him. It's the guy after who gets the most results because Billy Guerin now is doing that in Minnesota where he's got a lot of Chuck's players that he drafted, but Billy has made some moves also to get the team over the top. Yep. That's where the Flyers should do now is that Chuck's got his work cut out for him, getting these players in here. That's why you got to give him a little bit of runway and say, hey, look, he hasn't time to see these guys come to fruition yet, but he's trying to make the right moves here. So, again, you can't blame Chuck for this. You got to give him an opportunity to see what his talent level is as far as what he's bringing in here. And I think you're starting to see the fruits of the labor starting to pay off a little bit. Uh, as we enter the final week of this season, uh, I'm, we'll we'll do playoffs, I think, next week. Let, let's do our playoff predictions next week. I think we're both no, I think we are both on the same page in the Eastern Conference, but Western Conference, we might be a little different. Um, going other than the Flyers, obviously, in this surprise of a disappointment, who was the biggest surprise that jumped out to you uh, that is now, whether they're good or bad, who was the biggest surprise that exceeded or uh, didn't meet your expectations for them? I honestly have to look at this and say Pittsburgh really surprised me this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, anytime you have a Sidney Crosby on your team, you're, you're going to do well, but they, they're a better team than they thought they would be. I, they have over 100 points, and they I, I was really thought that they would start taking a step back, but I really had to give credit to Ron Hextall and Brian Burke out there because they – and, you know, they, they've done a good job with that team. Now, you know, I know Flyers fans are probably saying you're sick and you're only saying that because your son's a Penguins fan. No, um, <laughs> which which that changes weekly, by the way. He won't come back on, by the way. He doesn't want to come back on. So, oh, no, uh, we got to get him on. the At some point, at some point, we get him on. So but I, I was really surprised by Pittsburgh and then the Rangers, too. The Rangers really took a large step forward. Yep. And I, I think I see some holes there. And I think they rely a little too much on, on Igor Shosturkin because he's got like a 935 save percentage, which is just absolutely absurd. Like I, yeah. I, I was watching that game, and even though he uh, Georgiev played, I'm looking at the stats sheet and once I'm like, he's got a 935. I looked at the people around him and I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> um, Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, they're all where it's at. 
Um, Boston, I thought Boston would take a little bit of a step back. They, but they, they're right there. They have 101 points. They just can't keep up with Tampa Bay. And then Washington's got 99. I would say from a standpoint of because of what happened early in the season, the Islanders surprised a little bit. I thought the Islanders would be better, but they turned it around big time. Um, they just with COVID, they just never got, they never recovered from that poor start. Yep. But if you're talking major surprises, I, I, you know, I thought Pittsburgh would be outside looking in. Um, obviously they did not the 45 and 23 and they've played well this year. But again, I come down to, you know, do they have what it takes between the pipes to really get it done? Is, is Tristan Jari the guy and, and Casey Smith, you know, decent backups at the franchise record with uh, it saves and a shutout last week. Um, so there's, there's definitely uh, there's uh, that, that one definitely surprised me. What about uh, you? I think just the entire Eastern conference shocked me. Like everyone is going to have over a hundred points that makes the playoffs. Washington is, has four games left like the flyers and they're one point away from a hundred points. Yeah. I mean, this division, you, you see just based on the point totals alone, you see the work cut out for this flyers team. You're they're going to have a little less than le, they're going to have less. I don't know how to phrase this. Basically nearly double the points of the fly, like the Panthers have almost doubled the amount of points that the Flyers right. have. Oh, they like, have over double. They have they, over double. Right, right the now. Panthers have 120 points right now. The Flyers 59. That's that's over double. That's absurd. Like it and, is. and and the Panthers have not lost this entire month of April. It, it's completely crazy how well they're playing. Like part of win 60 games this year. That's insane. That's well, yes. And two, I'm almost to the point where they're actually winning too much leading into the playoffs. Like, you know, I, I, you ever have that feeling like you need to get a loss under your belt entering the playoffs so you can reset, realize what you have to work on. But like the Panthers are a perfect team. It seems this Mm -hmm. right now, obviously. uh, And I'm biased. We're biased because we love Claude Giroux and that's obviously where he is now. But like, I mean, this entire Eastern Conference, I don't know what Chuck is going to have to do this offseason. He's going to have to do a lot specifically, but I don't know where, like, in a world, in a perfect offseason, say everything goes the Flyers' way, they're a minus 82 goal differential right now. No one in the playoffs is less than plus 29, and that's Boston. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about over 100-plus goals difference uh a swing into next season i don't there's no one there's no one unless cam atkinson and travis connect and owen Tippett go 30 and 30 plus for all of next season and you reshape the blue line there's no way that touches even like you're talking about an 80 point swing just to get back to even Mm-hmm. It's it's wild to me that this is the conference right now that the Flyers are in, and we're expecting an aggressive retool. Like that's really what it comes down to. Like, like I said, I I've stated I don't think they're that far off. I think the injuries they're minus really eighty two. Yes, I understand that if you're looking at this <laughs> season's numbers, absolutely. But don't forget too, and this is the truth: you played a lot of season without Sean Couturier. You played a lot of season without Kevin Hayes. You played a lot of season without Ryan Ellis. You played a lot of season without three impact players on your team. Look at Montreal. Montreal without Carey Price and Shea Weber is minus 105. And they went to yeah. the final last year. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that you, you, if anybody wants to look before they go, and I've said this on the podcast plenty of times, if anybody wants to look at this and say, I'm concerned about this team of, you know, like they shouldn't have gone that bad with, with that many players lost. Okay. They, they, the, the Canadians, the Esperi Kakanyemi to an offer sheet. Okay. Then they lost Carey Price. Then they lost Shea Weber. Now they're minus 105. Two of the biggest core pieces on their defense, and they're minus 105 in goal differential. They've gone through a carousel on goaltending with Jake Allen. Then he got hurt. And they had Caden Primo. He had Caden Primo has played okay, not great enough. And they have Samuel Montembeau. Samuel Montembeau used to be a backup in uh, in Florida before Chris Dreiger, who's not even there. It was before the end of the expansion draft. So um, that that's – that's how far down the ladder they've had to go. Yeah. They don't have any scoring. Cole Caulfield, even though he's got 20 goals on the year, has not been able to, you know, they, they don't have anything else. They have to completely rebuild as well. They fired their general manager. They, they fired their coach. They have Martin St. Louis behind the bench who has had no pro coaching experience. 
they're just in a bad situation. And that's a team that just is a year removed from a Stanley cup final. So as, as the great saying goes, shit happens. <laughs> it's true. And, and you can, you can go from really good to really bad in an instant in yeah. this league. So yeah. that's what I'm saying is that I don't think Boston is going to be able to maintain plus 29 for that much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh it, it, is yeah. probably going to take a step back at some point because they might lose Malkin in the off season. They're going to have to fill center. You think Jeff Carter is going to be a second line center at this stage of his career? No, I don't think so. No. Played well in the matchups he's had, he's had a good season. He's not a second line center at 38 years old. And also let's not forget that Ron Hextall is there to infiltrate. Like that's really Correct. what it does. Uh, you know what? They got Brian Burke there too. So Brian that's Burke knows how to build a team. So I think he's going to keep not the reins on Hextall, but they'll talk back and forth. They'll be in communication. So, yeah. But I mean, and then the, here's another thing too. You have to look out for the Islanders next season because the Islanders are only having minus eight goal differential, but they're still 19 points behind Washington. And Washington's another team you got to watch to see if they're going to fall down the ladder a little bit. Yeah. So listen, there's enough parity there for it to happen. Toronto, you got to wonder with their cap situation if they're going to be able to do anything. And if the Rangers don't start improving offensively overall, do you think Chris Kreider is going to repeat his season from next uh, next year? I don't know. Is Igor Shesterkin going to maintain a nine thirty five? I don't know. So that there there are some question marks out there, and the Flyers are one of them. And if they can make the right moves, then yes, they can aggressively retool. We just there is light at the end of the tunnel here. You just they're not as far as you think, and I, I want to maintain that. Like, they're not as far as you think. Things are bad right now because the perfect storm has happened the last two seasons. But I don't think this team is far off of being a playoff team and then reevaluating after that and seeing what pieces you need to get over the top. I hope you're right. That's all I'll say. I hope you're right. They're two to three years away. (laughs) I've heard that for 12 years. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. That is episode 113 of Orange and Backcheck. Shoot us an email if you are with Scott. Are we two or three years away? Finally, just two or three years. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Shoot us your thoughts. Uh, Give us a follow on Twitter, at OBackcheck. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff, at Orangeandbackcheck. It's in the link in the bio below. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Again, two to three years away.